Paris. Hello from Paris. Well, no, from London. Uh, hello, hello, <laughs> Paris from London. Uh, I'm not there yet. You've beaten me to it. You're there prepping, being incredibly professional. I will swoop in on the train late on Saturday and uh, kick things off on Sunday. How is it? Well, I wanted to say hello from sunny Paris, but it's it's raining. I mean, looking at it, it looks as though we're getting all the rain out the way today, which is Friday. Um, and I thought this morning I was going to be really good. I'll get up and go for a run because, you know, I'm going to spend the next two weeks sort of hiding from baguettes, which is part of what I do when I'm in Paris. So I thought, start as you mean to go on. I went for a run. I was feeling really good about myself. And then there was like thunder and lightning and I'm running through kind of woods and forests. And I got, I got so wet. You know, it's that kind of rain. <laughs> you stand, you stand no chance. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to shelter. Every drop is like, oh. So um, I came back, I walked back into the hotel squelching which, oh, it's just not a nice feeling. So I think at some point I'll be really glad I did it. But when I was kind of squelching back through the hotel lobby, I just thought, oh, there we go. So, but but the amazing contrast between our days is, so I'm I'm squelching in a hotel lobby in Paris. Meanwhile, baby Rog, the goat, is settling himself into a new nursery. Yes, he is. Uh, So I um, dropped him off. He's just doing a last sort of, they do these settling sessions before they actually start so that uh, they're not in a completely sort of strange zone. So um, yes, I dropped him off and I was expecting him to cry and be really upset, but pretty much just looked at me and was like, bye. Uh, So... (laughs) So and he went. Sometimes at his old nursery, if I was ever sort of chatting <laughs> to the woman holding him before he went in, he just sort of got so fed up and just started waving at me, going "Bye, bye, let's leave." <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, no, um, he he's uh, having a great time. So just do a couple hours a day, and then he will be in uh, the whole time whilst I'm in in Paris. So he'll have plenty to be getting on with, lots of new things. So hopefully he'll be distracted that mummy's not there. And uh, yeah, no, so it's it's really good. Um, yeah, very, very happy. But I'm just waiting for him uh, Him now. I was going to wait in the car just around the corner, just in, in case, but he's fine. So I've come home. Yeah, he's like, he's like, mum, you're cramping my style. Just you just let me let me be. But on a serious note, I know you've been away for a week or so, but the French Open, Roland Garros, it's, it's a big one in terms of time. How are you feeling about this time away from the little man? Well, you say big one. It's the biggest. There's nothing yeah, longer, is. is there? It is, well, there's nothing as long as French Open. Australia is because of the travelling. So if I'm thinking actual days away right. from the family, okay, Australia right. just edges it because of the travelling time. But the most amount of days of a tournament is Roland Garros. Yeah. 15 days. No one yeah. can better that. Three Sundays. <laughs> Three Sundays. Wimbledon have done it on one for God knows how long. They've got no, no floodlights. No night sessions. They've done it on one Sunday. I know they've changed that now, which is uh, sort of fair enough. But um, just saying, no need for three. But I also under- very much understand it. It's like, yeah, it's a Sunday. Why not? Let's let's play. Uh, I I totally get it. So I, I yeah, I'm not really grumbling about it. It's just it, it just feels so long. <laughs> yeah, and then and I think you find, especially when you're away from family and loved ones, that the beginning of a tournament. It, you're so wrapped up in the tournament because it's so busy. There is so much going on and we've got the night sessions. It's just as the tournament starts to sort of quieten down and you have more time and you think, well, more time's a good thing, but that's the kind of time you start thinking, oh, yes, you know, you start really thinking about back home. But I think when you arrive, especially arriving Saturday night, we are straight into it. So we've got no night session on the Sunday, then night sessions 
up to the quarterfinals. But the first thing I noticed yesterday when I arrived, and it was beautiful sunshine, which is amazing, qualifying taking place, were the, the crowds. They're back. They are back. And boy, are they back. I mean, I, I it's almost took me by surprise because the tournament proper hasn't started. I was actually surprised by the number of people. They were queuing round the block to see Rafa Nadal practice. I'm talking thousands of people on a Thursday afternoon queuing to watch him practice. And then there are the qualifying matches taking place. And it's just really nice to see Roland Garros. They're adding to it every year. It's looking fantastic. It continues to be developed. But do you know something? We, we've we've missed the fans, whether we're sitting in a box remotely commentating to actually being on site. And uh, while I'm still waiting for it to take a lot longer to actually get from A to B, and sometimes, as you know, you need to get to A to B really quickly. But yeah, no, I really like yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Just seeing, and for pra- I love it. For a practice session, you've got thousands on Philippe Chatrier watching practice yeah it's it's amazing isn't it it's probably or possibly maybe it's not but the first taste that i think emma radicanu's had of um full fans she had quite a lot of fans out on on her court i saw um whether that was yesterday i believe um and uh yeah i mean we're used to it aren't we with federer and adele but it just must be so much pressure you know like when you're practicing you're you're you know you're sort of trying things you're working on it's not the finished article right and you've got all these people looking at you and you're you're trying to improve things and yeah I don't know it must just be a very bizarre thing because you sort of want to do that behind closed doors because you want people to just see the finished project product right it's like an artist never wants people to see that halfway through it's just the end the end result because it can look absolutely terrible and then suddenly looks amazing at the end so um yeah I, d- I don't know I'd find it a lot of pressure and today I was looking at the schedule practice for today although as I sit and look out the window of the room I'm in the clouds are so dark it temperatures it, it's warm but the clouds and wonderfully I remembered an umbrella this year for the first time because it always rains during the French Open always rains it just always what does. is the forecast for the couple of weeks what, is it supposed to be a nice one or yeah no good a it, mixed yeah no largely good I think there's the odd spell of thunder which will come because the temperatures it's going to get quite hot and humid so you'll get the odd break in the weather with the rain but largely so for Sunday I think it's 26 and bright sunshine even tomorrow Saturday it's around 24 but I, I'm just looking out the window now and I'm thinking oh it's as I say it's kind of warm so it's not you wouldn't put a jumper on but you'd need waterproofs because it's just wet and it's oh the clouds are horrible but look at the practice schedule I bring waterproofs yeah no bring waterproofs and bring like a little umbrella because okay I like to travel incredibly light I like to just bring uh the carry-on suitcase you know that you can put in overhead luggage and I just survive off of that well hang on for two weeks you will bring a carry-on suitcase that's my plan yes that is my plan Wow, that is, you need to tell me. I just like travelling light. No, but you also need things because, as you mentioned, this is the longest of the tournaments. Yeah, I do have a suitcase that's the size up, actually. Maybe I'll go for that one. No, take Um, take a suitcase. It's just a little bit bit bigger. Take a suitcase. But it's, it's not huge. I like, I like to just sort of travel light. That's that's my it's my style. I've I've never managed it. Then you have children, and then it's impossible. And I actually got to the hotel yesterday and checking in, and they say your room is on the seventh floor. It's lovely on the seventh floor. He said, but I'm afraid the lifts are broken. <laughs> and I was like, and, and my suitcase probably weighs around 30 kilos <laughs> because wow. I don't travel light. And I was thinking, 
Oh, seventh floor. Right. So that was kind of my workout yesterday was uh, getting the, and then you get the suitcase to the, to the seventh floor and you're thinking, I'm, just, I'm not sure I'm going to survive. And then suddenly, oh, the lifts are working. And you're like, oh, so um, maybe if anything's going to teach me to travel light, it's, it's that experience. But no, I would bring a little bit more for that. I think well, no, if you can do it, you can do it. But I'm very impressed if you can travel that light. That is, even when you were playing, did you travel light? Uh, well, I just found that I packed loads of stuff and I just didn't use half of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah the- it's just it was just sort of annoying. But I just need to know. That's the thing is I need to study the weather forecast and know what I'm bringing. But you- um, I'm also going to do some shopping in St Pancras because I I am long overdue on buying clothes. And now with sort of the season change, I need to need to get some stuff. So I will do some shopping there um on my way so i'm going to go an hour early so that i can buy a few bits oh this this sounds all very civilized but as everyone knows who's been to to roland garros you're going to get all the weather on you it is going to rain at some point it's probably going to be quite hot at some point and i went through a couple of years when i, I went to the laundrette so halfway through I'd, I'd travel like go there get it all done feel very satisfied and come back but this year i just went for it and brought i brought too much stuff so yeah weather wise anyone who's coming out to paris it's looking pretty settled, but just have one of those little umbrellas or a waterproof, I would suggest. And and for those today to who are coming out to watch practice, very interesting on the men's practice side, Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz practicing together, which you'd say, well, kind of from Djokovic's point of view, it makes sense because he wants to practice with the best players in the world right now. And as he and Sasha Zverev have said, Alcaraz is the best player in the world right now. But also Djokovic, he is, he's keeping an eye on that next generation. You know, he's wanting to test himself against them, see where they're at, see where he's at. So can you imagine the amount of people for that one? And also, if you want to see a one-handed backhand display, we've got Stan Wawrinka and Dominic Team practicing together. And, and again, you're going to get, A, great to see both of those back, but thousands of people who are going to brave the rain to watch these guys practice. Yeah, I don't know if Djokovic will be sizing up Alcaraz because they have just played and they played that long match uh, in Madrid. But as you say, just sort of wanting to train with the best. They want to be tested, want to be pushed, want to see how his shot feels in the, these sorts of conditions, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, not um, not surprised at that. And, uh, oh, so good to see Stan back and, uh, and team as well. And we just... Oh, Two of the very best, two of the very best at Roland Garros and love to see them do well, at least, you know, play well. Yeah, you know, just great to see them back at this level. If we look at the draw, I mean, the headline yesterday. So in the in the first quarter of the draw of the men's draw, we have Novak Djokovic defending champion top seed. He's in the same chunk as Nadal, who's in as the fifth seed looking for his 14th title. Uh, Stan Wawrinka, we just mentioned, could play Nadal in the second round. You've also got Felix Urgeliasim and Riley Opelka in that quarter. But the headline was, if you look at the top half together, you then throw in Carlos Alcaraz, who's the sixth seed here. Just his second Roland Garros. I mean, remember, he came through qualifying last year. Now we're talking about him as the best player in the world right now. And also Sasha Zverev is in that second quarter. And we also find Dominic Team. So if we're looking for sort of the top-heavy, bottom-heavy side... You've just got to look in the top half. And there's a couple of messages on Twitter saying anybody who thinks that Grand Slam draws are rigged, this should be proof that they're not because no tournament organiser would want to load it as it's been loaded in this top half. 
Yeah, and I, whilst I understand what that person is saying, it's also, I find it a ridiculous statement because, I mean, nobody thinks that these tournaments are rigged. Like, it's just absurd. This is professional sport. It's just not. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an irritating conversation because nobody in their right mind who knows anything about anything thinks that there is a remote chance that a Grand Slam draw is rigged. It's just absolute nonsense. Um, but, uh Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it is slightly rigged, I suppose, in the sense that we have seeds. So the plan is that the seeds yeah. don't play each other early. That's the point. We're trying to help them get deep in, in the tournament um, and, and spread them out. So I suppose that is the rigging that goes on, is just trying to encourage the uh, the big names deep in the tournament. But when you've got Alcaraz ranked six, when he's arguably the best player, player at the moment, and you've got um, you know Nadal, not ranked where he should be as well, then yeah, it all just gets jumbled up. I mean, it's completely weighted in the, the top half, isn't it? I mean, if Sitsipas isn't in the final, uh, I don't know what I don't know what's going on. But uh, whoever can battle it out of uh, of that section is unbelievable. And for Zverev to have Alcaraz in his section, I mean, look, it's rough. But don't get me wrong, it is it is absolutely horrendous for him. Um, it's going to be a chance, though. I mean, it, what's his stat? Is it that he's never beaten a top twenty player in a slam? Is that right? Zverev. Something like, yeah, Zverev's never beaten a top 20 player. I think it's so, something like that. It's quite extraordinary for somebody who's been in the top five for such a long time. But uh, yeah, if he wants to wants to go deep, then uh, he's going to have to get past that old, old young Alcaraz. <laughs> yeah, very young. Projected quarterfinals, Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, Alcaraz, Rud, Sitspas, Rublev and Medvedev. Now, we did our predictions last week and you went for Sitspas to win. Is that right? Am I right? I did. Sits past to win. I went for Nadal. I'm kind of sticking with Nadal. I mean, but the big thing we know about Nadal, and we know the, the special feeling about this place, 13 titles, being on, on Philippe Chaturier, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's the body. And I know he doesn't want to talk too much about the foot because it's a little bit like the knees in the olden days. He kept being asked about the knees. And he said, well, I'm always going to have this tendonitis in the knees. And, and it seems that Nadal is dealing with a lot of we'd call them, wouldn't you, chronic injuries. He's managing injuries that he's had for a long time and this foot is just another of those. Sure. But look at his game style. I mean, it's just, it's inevitable. It's remarkable that he's still playing at this age <laughs> with the way that he has played. Because, you know, you look at, at Murray, for example, as well. Um, and, you know, that, that's it's just part of it. It's not a game built to last. That's just how it is. And And, you know, you can't really dictate that from a very very young age I think it's only really once you're established near the top of the game would you ever start thinking about longevity um but uh yeah it, it's it's very difficult for manage to manage for him it's just how it is he's always been uh he's always had a lot of injuries because his body takes an absolute battering I mean he's the most intense most physical he's an absolute beast on the court um and uh you know this is just sort of expected I suppose it's sort of unexpected that he's still being able to turn up to Roland Garros and actually have a legitimate chance of winning it's quite extraordinary so it'll be interesting to see how somebody like Carlos Alcaraz now with much better sports science much better knowledge of um, what the physical side does to you you can see what's happened to Federer Serena Nadal uh, for example Murray um, and see how the bodies break down and yeah just that better sports science to rely on whether he'll be able to bypass that because it's all very well us talking about the movement of Alcaraz, the intensity that he brings to the court, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, is is, is that a sort of game style who's going to 
he's still going to be playing and winning slams at 36 years old. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Do you see Alcaraz feeling any pressure coming into Roland Garros? Because he does seem that some he's someone that doesn't get crushed by the weight of expectation. Maybe it's still too early and maybe he will feel that expectation. He, he seems to thrive on it. And I think maybe a part of that is the, the team around and the experience with the likes of Juan Carlos Ferrero, but he, he's 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 a young guy who everyone is now looking at second favorite with the bookies behind Djokovic to win Roland Garros, and he it's missing Rome is something that the oldies do, doesn't it? They they oh I'm just going to rest myself, I'm just going. You don't expect it for the young ones, but he took that approach to not play Rome to get ready for Roland Garros. I mean, do you do you think he will be affected by Roland Garros and the sudden attention and pressure they'll be on him, or from what you've seen? you don't think that's going to affect him? I don't think so. I wouldn't like to guess at what would happen in the final because you know he is still very young yep. and that is a, a, a different scenario. Um, I don't think that he's impacted by the, th- the pressure. As you say, I think he really does thrive on it. You know, there's no more pressure than a Grand Slam final. So, uh, you know... <sighs> As I say, things could change. It could just get a little bit too much. I have to say that there has been a match, one match, where it all got too much for Carlos Alcaraz. And it feels like a lifetime ago, but it wasn't that long ago. It was in Paris-Bercy. And he was playing against Hugo Gaston. And he lost very comfortably in the end. But the atmosphere was off the scale. You know how the French crowd can get. They were unbelievable. Gaston was doing Gaston things all over the place. It was a sensational (laughs) match. Alcaraz was playing pretty well, don't get me wrong. It was a match that absolutely, without that crowd, he would have rolled through. There's just just no, no two ways about it. But he got completely overwhelmed by that French crowd. They, they it was so loud because it's indoors as well so it just it makes it even louder. Um you know, I don't think it was even on the main court to be honest. Um but he just didn't know what to do. I mean, he had the yeah, the it wasn't like the crowd were against him. They were just obviously hugely supporting Hugo Gaston and um uh, so it would be fascinating. I haven't actually studied the draw that closely if he were to play a Frenchman. Um and uh, and to, to see what what would happen there, but that's the one time I've ever seen him get overwhelmed. That is, it's an amazing half the draw. Just to think that we could have Stan Wawrinka against Rafa Nadal as a as a second round match, and Dominic Team floating around in that second quarter. Karen Hashanov also in the into the third quarter. We find your tip the title in. Uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, who plays Lorenzo Massetti in the first round. We've also got Shapovalov against Rune in the first round, which is an interesting one. And then Kasper Ruud against Joe Wilfred Songa, who will retire after Roland Garros. So, I mean, I'm assuming that will be a, a night match or at least a Philippe Chatrier match because that A, that's a very tough one for Songa and B, this could be his last ever professional tennis match. I know, I know. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's always difficult, isn't it, when somebody retires, but at least he gets to finish here and, um, yeah, a a, a good match uh, to potentially go out on. Hopefully he stays in a little bit longer, but it's a a tough one. It's a tough ask for him. That's a really Um, tough one, isn't it? Yeah, things have been really, really difficult for him physically. And, um, you know, he just wants to say uh, thanks very much to tennis and and off he pops. Just back to... um, Alcaraz though yep. um, sorry just to just to bring it back a second <laughs> but um, it's interesting because I think you said something about the expectation and how it just doesn't seem to phase him I think there's a real difference uh, because there are other people that have been like that Nadal is one of them 
I think there's a real difference of picking a player who you think is good enough to say win a slam or reach a final or, or do whatever and then there's that much expectation on them um, because it's like yeah they're good enough to win this slam you know you could argue somebody like Yannick Sinner he's good enough to reach a final of a grand slam and yeah. you know, he would feel a weight of expectation and he is a phenomenal talent I mean don't get me wrong I'm just talking about levels here the difference is that Alcaraz isn't good enough to do it I mean he's so much better than everybody else that he's playing against so not everybody, of course, apart from the, the top few. Um, but even then, recently, really, I mean, those matches against Nadal and Djokovic all the way through Madrid, I don't think he even played that well. I, I really don't think he played that well in comparison to his level that we saw in Miami. Like, I felt like he was probably like an 8 out of 10 and he was still winning these matches. It was absolutely extraordinary. Um, and that is the mark of those really, really top players. We see that all the time from them. But I do think that... Um, there's a big difference. You could pick out a Sebi Corda and go, do you know what, Corda? I could see him making the semis here. And there's that expectation. But it's different when Alcaraz is like, well, actually, he'll start playing. And if he is nervous at all, then within four games, he's like, oh, I'm four love up. I'm just a lot better than this person. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you just win. Well, you can see why he's second favourite the bookies, can't you? You can and you can't. In a, in a way, it's crazy that someone who came through qualifying last year, and who this time last year was, what, about 120 in the world? is now six in the world and second favourite in front of uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, for instance. Yes, no, sorry, back but, to Tsitsipas. He, My pick He might well. have something no, to say fan. about that. The fact that, or maybe not, because Alcaraz has done what he's done this year, maybe earned his place with the bookies as second favourite who go through the form. But Tsitsipas will be happier with his draw. So third quarter, just throwing out some names. I mentioned Shapovalov and who's going through a lot of changes. The Is it Peter Polanski has now said he's coaching Shapovalov and yes. the Jamie Delgado relationship is over. And we have Daniel Medvedev in the fourth quarter. We have Andre Rublev in the fourth quarter. We have Yannick Sinner, who you just mentioned in that fourth quarter at the bottom. And, the, and, and someone else, another Frenchman who's retiring at the end of this year is Gilles Simon. And he starts against Pablo Carreño Busta, just sort of highlighting that as, a, as another one who's had a fabulous career that's starting to wind down. So that bottom half of, of the draw is better if you're just looking at, at names and rankings. And, and Sitzpass, you feel, will be happy with how his draw is? Yeah, <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, look, Draws are a huge part of this. Um, they always are. And yes, we've had a long time of the very, very best player winning anyway. But the rest of it does tend to all... all the, the draw is really impactful on who can do well. Um, yeah, I mean, Sitsipas is going to have the pressure to make the final. Uh, you know, there's no one there that you're thinking, oh dear, that, you know, he's not going to be the favourite for that match. Uh, you know, rightly so. He, he is a second seed and he... He's a finalist from last year, of course, and he's going to be the favourite in every match he plays until the final. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he'll, if he gets to the final, he'll have something to say against Alcaraz. But really, it's just up to Alcaraz, because if Alcaraz plays how he has done against Sitsipas previously, Sitsipas can't win. Because Alcaraz is top level, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's better than Sitsipas's. Like, that's just how it is. So as long as Alcaraz doesn't find his top level, hopefully because of nerves, because of tension, because it's the final, maybe he's tired, whatever else, then of course, uh, you know, I would say that Sitsipas might be the favourite to win that. But uh, of course, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, let's be honest. It's not finals day yet. 
if I gave you the option now to swap and pick Alcaraz to win, because everything you've said, I mean, you're almost convincing me to leave Nadal, the 13-time champion, and jump on Alcaraz to win Roland Garros this year. So if I give you the opportunity now to swap Sitsipas for Alcaraz, with everything you've said, would you take it? No. Stick with Sitsipas. You see, you've built an amazing case for Alcaraz, but that was an immediate no. And, no, and because com- it's an if. It's if Alcaraz gets to the final. Um, he has to break new ground. He has to do things he's never done before, which, look, he's doing that every week of the year, isn't he, at the moment? But <laughs> I I do think that in the final, I would say that Sitsipas is the favourite because the chances of Alcaraz producing his very, very best tennis in the final, I think, are not massively high because of everything else that goes with it. I think that it's difficult. He's now far enough into his career with the wins that he's had that there is real pressure like people are expecting him to win this tournament. People are expe- like people weren't really expecting him to win Miami. It was just sort of like, great, Alcaraz is going to play well here, and he's a superstar. Um, you know, it, things will start to change now, um, and if it just completely does not impact him, well, then he's not human, and <laughs> too good, <laughs> too good. But uh, you know, look, I it's 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 two things: it's if Alcaraz makes the final, and if he plays his best tennis in the final then he wins the tournament. But they're two huge ifs. Yeah. No, they're mad. And we should say we're not being disrespectful of the world number two, Daniel Medvedev, for not really talking about him. A couple of reasons here. Oh, yeah. I just said Sitsipas was the second seed. (laughs) He was... was, I've totally forgotten about him. (laughs) Poor old Daniel. I mean, he, he took his time out, got his operation, came back, but went to Geneva, didn't get a win. So he, he will be looking for his first clay win of the season in the first round. Yes, he, he props up the bottom because he's the world number two. It's not his favourite. So he had a good run last year, but it's not his favourite surface. So I think that's why the conversation hasn't, he hasn't even been included in the conversation. And down there, he's got Andre Rublev, Yannick Sinner, etc., etc. So I think that's the the reason why the focus in that bottom half has been has been on Sitspass, who you are going to stick with. I will stick with Nadal. I, I don't know. Look, the, the thing I've got hope with in the body is that, the foot problem is not a new problem. Yes, it's become very painful, but he has been managing it. And hopefully for him, he can manage it. And boy, look, if he gets title number 14, I mean, oh, wow, that would be incredible. But mm. the way Djokovic has been playing, oh, I'm looking, I'm he's got to win forward. quick though, Nadal. He's got to win quick. Yes. That's it. That's what yep. screwed him over in Madrid, um, yep. was that he had an epically long match that he could have won in two sets. Um, he ended up messing it up and having to win in three and he knew straight after the match you could see in his face he was done he knew he limped off there was no way he'd come back the next day and play the good thing about slams is he's got time off in between his matches Um, he should get a day in between each match at least and uh, yeah he just needs to win quickly I mean the first week is so crucial you know of course with that potential quarterfinal against Djokovic he cannot have any long matches It's so interesting coming into this Grand Slam because normally when we come into a Grand Slam, there's one, possibly two in the men's and we kind of have a feeling who is going to take it. Then it comes to the women's and we're like, well, I can give you 10 names. I could possibly give you 15, but I probably couldn't narrow it down. Coming into this tournament, we're like, well, if Iga Svantec doesn't win, we'll be really, really surprised <laughs> because she really surprised. she's on a tear. It's unbelievable. She is looking to an extent a 28-match winning Street unbeaten run. So she's first quarter, 
top seed, world number one. So she's at the top. Now, if we just, if I throw out a few names in this first quarter, you have, well, you've got some Grand Slam champions in there. We've got Yelena Ostapenko, who could come up against Simona Halep. Simona Halep working with Patrick Moratoglu while Serena Williams isn't playing at the moment. Halep, I didn't realise she's got a really good record at Roland Garros. Yes, a former champion. 31 tenths, so 31 wins at Roland Garros. And then also in there, coming back from injury recently, is Karolina Pliskova in that quarter. Svantec starts against a, a qualifier. Just, just from those names. And of course, there can be other players that come through. But who would Svantec see as her biggest challenge? Or does she see anyone as her biggest challenge at the moment with the way that she's playing? Genuinely, she's the best player by by some way at the moment, and it yep. would take her having to play below like an eight out of ten to even potentially lose. Um, and yeah, heavy favourite. I don't think it's going to phase her. I think we'd all love for her to win as much as she's already won it. She won it when there was no crowd, and it would just be awesome uh, for her to you know win it uh, with like a packed stadium. Uh, because she's just she's number one in the world right so I I think that's great I mean there are going to be some there are going to be some threats but are they really threats no I'd probably say they're challenges problems to solve but no real threats um you know and I don't think that she's going to be bothered by um the expectation again very similar to what I was saying with Alcaraz um, for Siontek, she's just that much better than everybody at the moment, and that's and especially on on clay, and and that's it. And as I say, there are some problems to overcome. You know, you you take on a Jabur or you know whoever playing well, and it's it's tricky, of course. But as long as she just deals with it, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, the one thing she was bothered about recently is she didn't do very well in a Nadal quiz because it's her idol. She loves him. Um, there was footage of Nadal coming out onto court and sort of shaking hands with her as they swapped over in practice. Because Sebi Corder, whose cat's called Nadal, uh, came through on top. And I think she was a bit gutted. Um, I think she said something like, if you tested me on, what was it? Taylor Swift and, and someone else, I would have done better or something. I don't, I don't know. Which well, she's, of... she's, she's painted herself as a Nadal super fan. What do you well, expect? Yeah. I know, but you're coming up apparently against another Nadal super fan in Seb Court. If you had to do like a quiz or a specialist subject on Mastermind, what would it be? Flags. Wow, that was quick. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My my knowledge of flags is an awful lot better than my knowledge of tennis. And when I'm on a, on a quiz, I am awful when it comes to tennis rounds. Really awful. <laughs> so, Yeah. Flags. Uh, that that's that's it. Yeah. Flag. Uh, yeah. Flags. Um, general geography. I'm okay, but uh, but flags particularly. I've always had had a knack for them. And you know, when I've travelled, paid I attention. Think so if ever we do another um, tennis when we when we video it when we record it, um, I'm going to just hold up some flags because it it would go down really badly oh, right. in a podcast. <laughs> like now, if we did it, it would just be such an awful listen with you just randomly saying countries. So I think next time we do a, a video one, I'm going to hold up some flags. Okay. And okay. we're going to, we're going to put you to the test. I like that. Okay. So flag. Okay. There's, fl- there isn't really much, much need to do that as in, I, I pretty much know them all. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to find some really obscure ones. I'm gonna there's find, a few, there's yeah. a few that I don't, there's, I'm normally like three or four off. Like so I you're, you're sounding super confident. So I'm going to find some really obscure flags from some really obscure places and hold them up. Okay. Okay. All right, okay so. Well, I'm talking about like national flags. You can't get like 
some random region in no. in Spain. I'm not going to do okay. someone's local tennis club flag. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to do major ones, but like, well, maybe I think they're obscure. But okay, so that is that is one for the future. So people watch and listen out for that. It's not the most exciting. What would your specialist subject be? I don't think I'd have one. Um, I seem French to know. Open? I seem to know. I seem to know. I think. General knowledge is too wide a subject, but I I just know random stuff. Whether it's general um, knowledge, my specialist <laughs> subject is just another round of general knowledge. But it's like in a pub quiz, I think I'd like I'd, I'd I'd know some flags, I'd know some stuff about reality TV, tennis, lots about football, maybe a little bit more about Chelsea. Having been Music. so ensconced in Chelsea, uh, in the, I don't know. Maybe I'd know some random stuff about. Um, music that you wouldn't expect, but they wouldn't right. be. I wouldn't. So say you would I'd be helpful on a quiz team. You would be. You'd, you'd be I, I contributing. Think, yeah, I think on a pub quiz, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't be like geography. Right, Gigi, geography. Like absolutely not. Or his, I you know. literally contribute to uh, geography and music, and then a little bit of pop culture, and that is it. I have no knowledge of anything else. <laughs> I think I'd. Uh, I think sport. I'd. I'd be okay on sports. Uh, a bit of music, maybe a bit of history. Geography, no. So we'd be quite good because I wouldn't geography at all, not at all. Um, so I think I think we'd complement each other on a pub quiz. So yeah, okay, cool. Okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna sort the flag thing out. Um, going down the draw. Um, oh, someone else. If you want, uh, we can do a flag quiz right now. <laughs> we, I just don't. And I think... can quiz you. I can I can quiz you with some fun flag, fun with flags. No, but I can't see you. So how are you going to show me the flag? <laughs> No, no. I was just going to ask you questions about flags. That's all. What would you? What do you mean? You'd ask me a what would a question about a flag be? Well, just like standard, like as in basic things about like so what which, which color appears more like the most on flags? Oh God, you know that? Wow, stuff this like is, that. Oh, what's no, the this... oldest? What's the oldest flag? You know, oh, wow. all those sorts of things. Okay, yeah. no, we're not doing that. No, how many flags have no. Union Jacks stop. on? Stop. Ah, stop! No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah back to the back to the women's draw doing the tennis <laughs> flags to cover the future and i'm moving into the second quarter although i can tell you someone in the second quarter has a specialist subject and that's yulia Putinsova. chess loves chess amazing yeah I, i'm not well i can play i'm gonna say i can't play chess i can play chess but i only think about the move that I'm about to make and that's it. So I don't do oh. very well. well. Me and Ben once went on a holiday and we played chess every evening and it was just atrocious. <laughs> Neither of us did that, you? Did it? Well, maybe next time you have to play against one of the twins is loves chess. I mean, he's six. Oh, really? And, and he plays tournaments uh, with like no under way. 12. I didn't know that. That's yeah. so cool. And he's, and he's sort of, I don't know how his, his mind, I sort of watch him play chess. I'm like, oh, I don't understand. Because like you, I'm thinking of that move. He's kind of a couple of moves ahead. And he's, try, he's trying to explain it to me saying, oh, this person, because they do it sort of online. So you can't see the other person, but you know, you're, they move their pieces. And he said, oh, he's going to do this now. And I'm like, how did you know that? So it, it baffles me. But uh, yeah, um, Patinsva loves playing chess. Um, has done it from a young age and really, really loves it. So she's in the second quarter. This is random stuff that I know. You see, this is where I excel. Really random stuff that no one really needs to know about. Heading up the second quarter, we do need to know, is Paola Bedosa. Uh, first Grand Slam quarterfinal was at Roland Garros last year. We know what she's done since. Uh, Rybakina and Keys are in there. Kasek is in there. Shelby Rogers is in there, Sabalinka's in there, Collins is in there. I mean, that's a chunky little quarter. It is a chunky little quarter. And I am just very hopeful that I'm going to get to do lots of um, 
Danielle Collins matches, as you just mentioned. So I'm hoping that she's going to do very well. I'm such a big fan and I've just been obsessingly watching YouTube videos of her shouting, come on, and just being, (laughs) especially through the pandemic when there were no crowds. It was just so hilarious. (laughs) Because there was no one there's like one person clapping she's just <laughs> screaming um but you know we've got yeah i i i really enjoy uh danielle i really enjoy the way that she speaks she played fantastically well at the aussie open of course reaching the final there and um i just like that she is just unapologetically herself and she knows how it looks and she's like i'm, I'm not here to look good that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to compete. I'm here to win. And then that's it. So deal with it. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I think she could, uh, she could go on a good run here. She's been a semi-finalist before, isn't she? Semis? Is it semis? At least yeah, quarters. I don't know. semis? She's done very got, well. She's, she's got a good form. And if the body can stay fit and healthy, and as I say, that the yelling is, uh, yeah, well, it's something else. Now, if, if we go into the, if that's chunky, the third quarter in football would be called the group of death. You know, if it's a World Cup draw, Champions League draw, there's always oh, that group yeah. you think, I don't want to be in that group. So in this chunky section, even chunkier, we've got Anjouba, who recently said, this is a wonderful quote, she said, I'd love people to look at the draw and say, oh shit, I play Ons. <laughs> she said, I'd really like people to say that when they look and see my name and think, I don't want to, and I'm sure they do, but... Look at who's in this little section with her. So the other three seeds in her section are all Grand Slam champions. Emma Raducanu, uh, Angelique Kerber, who I know is form-wise, and Petra Kvitova. You've also got in that section, because we're not finished, Maria Sakkari, who's the fourth seed semi-finalist here last year. And then, shall we not forget, Naomi Osaka and Amanda Anasimova, who face off in the first round. We've also got Bianca Andreescu in there, Leila Fernandez, and Belinda Bencic. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of names, isn't it? But that's that's, how it feels with the women's draws because we've had so many years now of having lots of winners, lots of new top tenors, lots of big runs. You know, Andrescu up to the top, then she went away. Osaka up to the top, then she went away. Raducanu winning a a slam and and now she's not. Um, You know, it's there's just there's so many names, you know, those slam winners, slam finalists now uh, that have all gone deep and they're just... It's it's incredible, isn't it? That's what comes from that period of time. But what I think it's done is it's really pushed the level on all in all. Like as you say, you read through that quarter, it's just crazily good. But I think that because they all have that experience, it's just everybody's just sort of lifted up a bit. Now, possibly, look, you called it. I said it wasn't going to happen. I'm not admitting it yet, but possibly <laughs> we are in the era of the Siontech domination. Possibly. It might be starting. Who knows? Come on, say it. Come on. Well, we'll see. We'll see. If she if she wins one of the next couple of, she really, if she wins both the next slams, then fine. Um, but you, you know what I mean. So yeah, so we're in that that potentially in that period of domination, um, which has sort of come out of it. She's just sort of maybe risen to the top, but uh, everyone else. I mean, it's very busy. I mean, there's some of the players that aren't even in the top ten are just insanely good. But yeah, absolutely, everybody. I don't think anyone enjoys playing ons. Everybody loves ons, but they walk on court and go, oh, God, this is going to be fun, isn't it? Um, it's tough. <laughs> like I was telling you, when I played against her, I was like, like re- I, I was annoyed. <laughs> when when, uh, when I won the first set, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to three now. I'm just going to have to be out here for ages. <laughs> I was like, There's no way. 
Oh, it was just so painful. I just wanted to get off the court. Uh, but there you go. Yeah, when I won that first set, I remember distinctly being like, okay, I'm, I'm done now. I just want to go. <laughs> so, yeah, but how, but how strong is that, though? Those names are incredible. Oh, it's it. But I think the funny thing is, and you know, Anjabur, who people do, as you say, walk on court and think, oh, I don't want to play her. She's the clay court match win leader this season. All those names I've read out. Yes, we lose one of Anisimova and Osaka in the first round. Anisimova came out top against Osaka at the start of the year. But we're still saying, despite all those names, oh, yeah, Sviontek will win. So it, it, it's, it's incredible. And then we get into the fourth quarter. We haven't even mentioned defending champion Barbara Krichikova, second seed, because like Medvedev, she'll be now injured for a while. Now, this is going to be her first tournament back. She's been There's been some kinesio tape on her that I've seen in practice. She was at the draw looking fabulous when the draw took place yesterday evening in Paris. What she did last year, I still think, I, I know what Radicana did was, was stunning, but... What Krachikova did to win both the singles and doubles and to have been outside the top 100 the October before, I, I still think it's quite, quite extraordinary. But maybe we shouldn't expect too much because of the injuries she's gone through. And in that section, I'll just throw some names out for you. Azarenka, Stevens, Konsevit, Coco Goff and Garbunier Muguruza. So again, some big heavyweight names that we're rattling off. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it was a bit of a rough one, wasn't it, when uh, Krejcikova got injured? She just played so much tennis again. She was a winning machine at the time, got in such a ridiculous role. Um, So hopefully she'll be uh, able to produce uh, a decent level. It's just great that she's able to come and be here as defending champion because that's, you, you get so much with that, you know, like coming back to the tournament, the way that you're treated, the way that you're spoken to, you are the reigning, reigning champion. So... Really good to see her her back. I mean, I can't really see her winning it again um, or or going particularly deep. It's just too much of an ask when you've been out for that long because it has been quite a while now. And and I'd like to say a word on Anastasia Pavlichenkova, who, well, she's had the knee or the knee tape or the knee problem for a while. She tried to come back recently on the clay to get ready for, for, for Roland Garros to look to defend the points from reaching the final. Um, hasn't worked and... She's actually shut down. She's actually shut down her whole season, her whole year. She said, "You know what? It, it's not working. I'm not right. So that's it. Year's finished." Yeah, pretty in- incredible, really. So um, hopefully, she's able to um, fix that. Um, she isn't somebody who's actually been that injury prone through her career. Not really significantly. She's been a, a pretty consistent player, to be honest. Since she was so young, when she broke through. Um, but yeah, really disappointing for her. Of course, she did so well. Um, at Roland Garros last year reaching the final and finally making that sort of big big breakthrough that people had just expected of her I think so so many for well for such a long period of time everybody's always really rated her I mean she was a phenomenal talent as a junior but it doesn't really matter how early you do things it's about what you then do um, after that so yeah just fingers crossed she's able to get back that is a big old chunk of time that uh, she's going to be out for so yeah as I say Fingers crossed she can get back and, and get fit and healthy and, and back back out on tour because, you know, she's not um she's actually not super young. I know that she reached that final. It was you know, a big breakthrough for her, but um well, I mean she must be twenty nine, thirty. 
Yeah, it's it's harder, isn't it? When obviously though, what she's realised she needs that she needs that time if she's going to come back to 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 rest the knee and get better. So we wish her a speedy recovery. Now, last chance to change your your predictions of of Sitzpas and and Shviontek. No, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm sticking with Sitzpas and Shviontek. I'm very happy with it. I I think they're they're favourite to win here. Sitzpas is just going to let all the big names just battle it out. It's going to be like Royal Rumble. That you're going to be whoever makes it through to the final is going to be battered, bruised. They would be missing a tooth, blood pouring out of them, all hair's been ripped wow. out, all sorts. Okay. Sitzbass is going to bowl up fresh wow. as a daisy, and that's it. Win his first Grand Slam. Oh, and Shontek's probably not going to lose a set. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you from Shontek, despite all those names we have rattled off, and Nadal. Uh, it, I was really confident a while back, his start to the season, how he was playing the body. I don't know what this body's going to do, but there is something about this place that I'm going to stick with Nadal. But the, the looming large Djokovic and how he's playing is is frightening. Alcaraz and what he's doing at the moment is slightly terrifying. But I will stick. I will stick with Nadal. I'm. What I'm going to do now? There's there's a break in the rain, which is amazing. Um, so I'm going to try and make a dash um, from one place to the other um i've also got to do a bit of flag prep because i don't want you to start randomly asking me questions about flag. anyway that wasn't the deal why were you asking me questions about flags when flags are your specialist subject i don't know it's just more of a look i just i really like flags <laughs> it's just, coming across <laughs> just like talking about them um, and this is weird the amount of time i've known you i have not known that you really like flags <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I mean, it's it's not something really to to shout about, but I enjoy it. Well, you know, you you've given me ideas for future birthday and Christmas presents. Excellent. Um, there you go. I, I don't know what. There's got to be like a big book of flags or oh, something. Oh, and you'll have so to help me with suggestions. I'm going to have to bring a little uh, gift home for the little man as well. So you're you're good at picking up gifts. Oh yes. The... No, I've got, I've gone through I've gone through the baby stages of buying gifts at, at Grand Slam. So I Perfect. will take you to the shop and and get you gifts sorted. I'm looking forward to you being out here. I cannot wait. And uh, hopefully if we find the time, which is going to be the hard thing, um we will kind of round up and get everything done after week 1 of Roland Garros. Perfect. Can't wait. Uh, actually, I cannot wait to go. I'll see you soon. Safe journey. Yeah. 